Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash ev6 kia movement that inspires ralphie my man how are you you youngster (laughs) hey everybody it's literally with me rob lowe okay Man, anytime I get a greaser on the show, man, stay gold. Stay gold! I mean, my man, Ralph Macchio, I put stay gold up there as one of the great quotes. And having having Ralphie, and I think I'm one of the only people who can call him Ralphie at this point, and to talk about Outsiders and Cobra Kai, the guy's still got it going on, man. He's got a new book coming out. But most of all, you know when you you, you meet your friends from high school and go, do you remember the time when we... That's that's what we're about to get down with. <laughs> All right, let's let's bring him on out. I was thinking about there are certain songs that come on and I think, oh, this is the outsiders playlist. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is what we listen to on the on Matt's boombox in the pouring rain, right. shooting the rumble. It was, okay, so obviously Bruce, right? Right. Obvi- obviously. There was a lot of Clash. Wasn't Dylan into yes. the Clash at the time? A lot of Clash. And, and then Tommy mm-hmm. was into Adam Ant. That's right. Do you remember That's Adam right. Ant? I do. I do. I can't, don't ask me to sing any Adam Ant. But I do remember. What? Oh, what is it? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Uh, I can't do it. But he was, Adam Ant was... Was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember at the time. I remember the uh, Dylan was always playing the Clash. I had Springsteen on the box all the time um, in my room, and hotel security would be like, "Could you turn that down?" You know, Darkness was probably the one that was was rolling a lot at that point. It's funny the memories you have. We played a lot of Caps. Remember Caps? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. It, which, by the way, now they hit the kids. It's beer pong. Yeah, it is beer pong. It's beer pong, but in our in our era, it was caps. Right. And I can remember vividly. It might have been. I, I don't know who it was against. Might have been you. You know the last notes of jung down in jung gul, and I threw the fucking cap up and clink. Yeah, yeah, Ding. right. I I remember it like it was yesterday. Ah, uh, well, it's um, those you know that's where it all began for so many of us. You know, it was uh, that movie was the one everyone wanted to be in, so we all wanted a, a piece of that. I read it when I was a you know I was twelve, so it was um, it's a it's. Kindred spirits, man. It just uh, anytime I see you, see you or Tommy, Dylan, or uh, Diane or whatever, it's just you know, it's like uh, first you know freshman year of of everything. That's what I say. People say, what, "What's you know? Do you ever see this one or that one?" I'm like, it's like when we see each other. If you were in a fraternity or a sorority, and you see your brother or sister, that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly like you go. You go right back mm-hmm. to those, to those days. I mean, dude, I, I just—we were so young. I remember being thrilled that I could order room service <laughs> for, for right. like without my parents right. yelling at me. Right. So how old? How old are you then? How old? How old were you? You seventeen? How old? Were you? I was seventeen. Right. I was one of the elders. Um, <laughs> you know, I had you and Swayze. You and Swayze. Yeah, Swayze elders. had me by a, a bit, but. Uh, yeah, and um, but but so it was my second movie, yeah, the second movie. But I did a TV series. I was on this TV show called Eight Is Enough. Do you know my connection to that? Yes, I, I read it, it in your book, and I, I said I didn't know this. <laughs> so yeah, you, you think you know a guy? So um, Eight Is Enough was a big hit. I had done a bomb for ABC, but they were nice enough to give me a, a like a holding contract or whatever, and they were going to add this amazing character to Eight is Enough, and and I got to go and read. I worked my way through the audition process to get to the network reading, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting in these giant chairs at Century City. They, yep, uh, I, yep. I think the network had big chairs to make you feel insignificant. Yeah. And I look over, and and there you are. Of course, we didn't know each other then, but you're over there, and it's. I think it was just between me and you, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't get it, and you did, and I was like, God darn it! I learned that when I read your book. I didn't know uh, all. The, I, I learned that, and I'm just. It's interesting because as you write, and your memory, um, you know, it, it's it's not so much selective memory, but it's the stuff that that it solidifies in your mind all, over time, yeah. and how that feels and how you felt and then you write to that. So, you know, it'd be interesting to have that visual playback of what really played out on the yes. day versus yes. what you, you, you feel and take with you. And, and, uh, but as long as it's honest, that's, that's, uh, I think that, you know, that's what I always reach for. And the other thing is, is, you know, with a little bit of never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Oh, for 100%. Uh, uh, <laughs> like, you know, like I'm not sure that Martin Sheen, when he would patrol the neighborhood uh, during um, Halloween to keep the punks in check, I'm not sure he was actually in his apocalypse now clothes. Right, but you had it painted that way. In my memory of it, he was. But for <laughs> sure he was. But, but like for sure he was patrolling the neighborhood with a baseball bat. That that I'm not making up stories. I remember you telling that story. Says Emilio, get the ball bat. Get the ball back! <laughs> I remember you saying that. I, I remember you. I remember hearing that story from you in in the lobby of the Tulsa Excelsior, which is now like a double tree. I went and looked for it, 
I was in Tulsa. I did too. I went and I went up to the sixth floor. I did. I walked and my room was being serviced. No. I swear to God, it was like cruise me where you were, Tommy, Dylan down the end of the hall. I just, it was a trip. It was a trip. Can, can you imagine a floor of a hotel? <laughs> walk, let's walk everybody. Like you you kind of did it, but let's just, let's just marinate. Yeah, let's, let's let it sit and simmer. Okay, so I, I had an adjoining room with Tommy Howell. Right, because I had cruise next to me. Uh, Dylan was further down the hallway. Yeah. Um, and, and Emilio. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't remember uh, vividly. I, I remember Cruz next to me and Dylan down the hallway. Two reasons. Uh, one, I just do. But two, with Dylan, we'd go run lines sometimes. I'd come like, he'd say, hey, you want to run these lines in this, this, this scene? And I'd... And I would, you know, go down to his room and uh, and uh, we'd, we'd run some of the, the lines, you know, the barbecue sandwich uh, scene from The Outsiders. And then with with Cruz, he was just right next door. Um, and I remember the script for Risky Business coming and wow. he, him saying, uh, I'm, I'm getting get a uh, script if they, you know, put it in my room if it comes up here. I, I just remember the script. It didn't say Risky Business on it. It just said, you know, it's just an envelope. So I, I, you know, I thought of well, what if I took that script and just, you know, that trajectory. I remember envelopes arriving for Leif and there weren't scripts. Yes, there. they weren't scripts. <laughs> they were kind of padded and puffy and soft. Do you remember? It? I, I remember. I, I remember thinking the the coolest thing in the world that Leif had figured out a way to get to FedEx his blow to us, <laughs> and and it was like, but you were a good boy. You were a good was, Long Island I was boy. Ridiculously good. You were you were very very you you didn't f- fall down the, but we would we would like, you know, imbibe with with Leif and then walk to the river. That was our big night. <laughs> I do. I do remember you saying. I put this in the in the the book. I do remember you saying to me that, that we should get me a T-shirt. This is "Do Not Disturb" on it. <laughs> right. um, back because I'd always have that on my door. It, it, blasting Springsteen or studying my lines. I I was at that point. I was like I was so taking everything so seriously. I mean, I did have fun. I got out. You know, we had good times. No, we had our case sure. parties and all that stuff. But but I was. Um, um, pretty reserved and sort of arm's length from from diving to the other side of the tracks. Yeah, because there was a, the other side of the tracks was ironically Tommy Howell. Right at fifteen, he's fifteen. That guy cut a swath through Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> like 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 a tornado. And you know the other thing that was amazing is the business of I don't need to tell you that has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a Warner Brothers studio movie by one of the most iconic directors of all time. Everybody in the world knows about it on everybody's radar. And as a 15-year-old, they would provide you with alcohol yep. at rap every night. At yeah, times, they were changing. Do you remember, um, by the way, when you said you ran lines with Matt Dillon, I'm stunned because I feel my memory of Matt is all he did was ad lib or try to. Yeah, well, Yes, but we, we this is this one scene, and he's a, he's mentioned this a, a few times, so that's the only reason I would... I would dive into it a little bit, but that scene we shot, um, he had all the dialogue there. Um, and um, Is this the one where the, he's talking the, about getting the train to Windricksville and everything no, else? No, no, after that. This is when Sophia comes up, uh, Sophia Coppola is a little 10-year-old in the drive-in, in the drive-in eating the barbecue yeah, yeah. sandwiches. We, 
you know, and yes. he's saying uh, that was a big audition scene for right. people. Yeah, I get you a hideout, a hangout, a hideout. You know, is that <laughs> hideout? You hideout anything? Right. That, so that's uh, that's where that's where the ad lib came from, and, and then so we only shot. Uh, I might have gotten might have gotten dark. I don't remember exactly, but we had to go back and finish up the scene. So at that point, um, I don't know if I asked or if he asked, but. Um, because he always would say, you're the most professional actor I've ever worked with. I'm just because you want to run lines. I thought that was the deal. You know, I thought you had to, I thought you had to learn the lines. Uh, yeah, no, not so, that. But, uh, and um, so it was a little bit of a bonding moment for us. Well, Johnny and Dallas, it just, uh, you know. You guys are iconic. I mean, you guys are, I mean, I can't think of a more iconic pairing. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I got it was it was great to experience all that stuff. But that that's uh, that's that's one of those memories, like I, I alluded to earlier, that that sticks. You know, there are many others that just blur. But, the thing um, I I that is it blows my mind looking back on it. And I guess it's because it was look as my first movie. I was super excited. We were all friends. It was a good time everywhere. And mm-hmm. and, and but I remember being on the set during scenes I wasn't even in. Like yeah, I me too. Came, I schlepped out to the church sequence, which is way outside. I mean, I was I was at the scene. Um, I have a picture from the day of the barbecue co- where you guys are getting the sandwich on the mm-hmm. car where I brought my dad there. Like, oh, well, yeah. We, we, would, we would just show up on the set even when we weren't working. Yeah, it was camp. It was camp. I mean, I... I um... That was part of it. And a lot that I learned about the camera and about, I mean, Steve Burum, our cinematographer, was so open and um, in in offering insights and his expertise that I was, you know, I was that little kid just saying, how come you're using that lens? And what's this friend? Why would you start back here and push there? And I, I learned an awful lot on the outsiders because it was so ensemble. I had that that meaty section where up at the church and all that stuff with Ponyboy and Johnny, but there was plenty of the ensemble, the Curtis brothers, the rumble stuff that I wasn't in that I would, you know, do exactly as you just said, you know, just come to, come to set. And, and I learned an awful lot from, uh, you know, that was a little early film school with some of the best. I forgot. I, of course you're not in the rumble cause you're, you're in, in the hospital, right. your character, but you missed one of the great harrowing. Yes. I mean, it's, so we go to do the, the rumble. It's going to be a th- three nights, night shoots. <clears throat> and the first night we're about to shoot and it starts to rain. Mm-hmm. And Francis doesn't, and by the way, it's going to rain and be done in like two hours. Right. Francis doesn't want to wait. Mm-hmm. So we shoot with the rain, which means now for the next three nights where there is no rain. We're creating it. We have to create rain. Mm-hmm. And it's among the most miserable things I've ever shot to this day. <laughs> I could imagine. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was spared that one. You know, it was. Um, it's, it's funny when you're young. Um, some actors are still this way, but you know, you have that moment, right? The rumble. Everyone was trying to find their moment. I didn't have that opportunity with the role I had, but I see that even in this the show that I'm on now, Cobra Kai. Yeah. These, you know, everyone when there's a fight and it's about making the most. Yes. Of that spinning heel kick or that takedown <laughs> or that whatever, especially with the young cast. And I see when I uh, – there's so many times I'm watching scenes on Cobra Kai, you know, where the kids are fighting or whatever. And I'm thinking of of that time on the outside because everyone just talked about – All we talked about. You know, what they were going to do. Dialogue took a back seat to, um, you know, to the, to the fight scenes. 
I think it's why I relish and seem to have good luck like you you do as well when in an ensemble because it was the first thing we did in that kind of re- super healthy but really intense competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, between Swayze and Cruz, I mean, look, at this point, Tom's competitive, you know, focus is is literally legendary. Right. And he had it even... I mean, today he's hanging off of, you know, you know, jumping off 2000 foot cliffs. But but in our day, it was just doing a backflip. Right. Like I I I wasn't doing the backflip. Fuck that. Yep. Yep. No, he's always he he was always was that that way. Always. I mean, when he pulled his cap off to to pull his tooth out to he's he's driven uh, from the earliest days. And you said it's, um, you know, it's kind of paid dividends. Uh, and then it's yeah. part of part of what what he's done, what he is. Um, really amazing to to be there at the the origin of that. Total the the Tom Cruise origin story. <laughs> Steve Steve Randall. Randall. Did, now, when you auditioned in New York, because the other thing there was there the L.A. crew. And I then did we, not we audition went... in New York. That's a, this is an oh. interesting uh, thing. People just assume since I was from New York. That I auditioned in New York, like Matt Dillon and and such. I auditioned at Zoetrope Studios on Las Palmas, right? Yes. Two mm-hmm. days in that, you know, the famous slash infamous yeah. um, ensemble auditions um, where you're watching each other and trying to gauge. I, I'm always curious, who do you remember being there? Um, I remember um, Dennis Quaid, yep, Helen Slater, yep. Kate. Capshaw, um, mm-hmm. Scott Bayo. I remember Scott Bayo coming in, in a you know it was because he was probably one of the more famous people walking in the room. Yes. Um, um, who else do I remember? Mickey. Oh, I, I, Mickey Rourke. I read I read with Mickey a, a few times. I remember Mickey. I, listen again. Whether it was actually true or not, my truth is, he was on roller skates and he stank. <laughs> That's my memory. (laughs) The guy was literally on roller skates. And I remember Francis and everybody treating him like Jesus walked in. Well, they, you know, they were big fans. It was like the Red Sea parted. Yeah. What was the movie? What was, what was the movie uh, that that he was? Oh, it was, um, it was Body Heat. He was. Yes. Yes. Body Heat. Right. 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 He had had that great character part in Body Heat, but hadn't really, you know, taken off. And of course he was in. Rumblefish. Did they ask you to be in Rumblefish? Um, at one point, good question. At one point, I spoke to Fred Roos. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Francis Coppola's longtime producer and casting uh, genius. Guru. Casting genius. Yeah, he is a casting genius um, because he loved us and gave us great parts. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's the only reason. But um, uh, So he came to me and discussed uh, the role that Vincent Spano played. I bet, yeah. And we... we uh, we spoke about that, and I didn't read for it, but we had discussions. But then the ship kind of sailed um, in a different direction. Um, yeah. It's funny. My my perception up until recently is that Outsiders was the, the, the sort of public hit, but the cool one to be in was Rumblefish. Right. Didn't it feel that way? Stuart Copeland, the black and white... You know, it, uh, yeah, it, it kind of did feel Mickey, yeah, Mickey Hart from the Grateful right, Dead, right, just hanging like around. There. Tom Waits, well, Tom Waits was in our movie too, but uh, um, it was cool having those guys around. 
It was Wasn't it? really cool to just like hang out and talk to Tom Waits and sing. I remember when I went to the first um, Zotrope, Francis's in New York, I vividly remember Carly Simon in a cat suit. Wow. Don't know what she was doing. Hmm. And I was like, man, there's a lot of cool shit going on in Francis Coppola world. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's interesting because I auditioned, like I said, those, those few days in L.A. And then uh, it was radio silence for more than a couple of weeks. Really? And, um, and then I heard that some of the guys were flown to New York. Now, were you flown to New York for that session? Yeah, see, this is the thing. I, see, I, I was what? not. What? I don't know if they were still looking. Uh, Francis, I've asked him point blank, even recently, like a couple of years ago uh, in Napa, we did a talk back to yeah. a, a, you know, a, a bunch of uh, uh, grade school kids and uh, about the outsiders. And he said, because I know when they did the workshop, I know Downey, Downey Jr. played Johnny Cade in the workshop, but I think this was before Francis was directing, um, when it was first up. Um, so I always wondered if that's the guy they wanted, but it just didn't happen. And I, so I was the default, but I was in, in his mind and his words, I was the Johnny. So they, they closed the book on that. I said, you could have called me right away. <laughs> that's not his way. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So it was, uh, whatever it worked out. I mean, that's the, that's the movie that holds such a special place for me. I love Francis, but, but bedside manner with yeah. actors is not his strong suit. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, the trip to New York it was my first time I went to. It's me, Tom Cruise, Emilio, Tommy Howell, Darren Dalton. First time we ever flew first class. <laughs> it was great. It was, it stayed at the plaza. I'll never forget that. And I also remember Tom getting on the phone to his, I wrote about it in my book, getting on the phone to his agent, Paula Wagner, going, they had me sharing a room. I know. Right on it. Right on it. <laughs> Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um... And I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like redwood, wildland, and stone. 
and an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I remember seeing Karate Kid. I was making, isn't it funny that we all, it's like in the 80s, you had to do a sports movie. Yeah. Didn't you? You had to. Right. Vision Quest. I'm Vision just, Quest. Just a pull a random one out. My favorite thing about Vision Quest is the Appalachian bar where Madonna is singing. <laughs> yep. She's in the bar. You know, see, it's, what, it's what happens in salt, rust belt towns. Just uh, talent placement. Vision Quest. But you, you, Karate Kid's the granddaddy of, there's nothing that comes close. My my little young blood is, is a, a speck in the celestial body. That where you are a supernova, I would say, sir. <laughs> well, being being a hockey fan as I am. Uh, oh, I know that's yeah. right. So I, yeah, I listen. The the Karate Kid has, um, you know, stood beyond the test of time. Now, you know, uh, yeah, and it's you know you got to credit. You know, it comes from if it's not on the page, ain't on the stage. I mean, Robert Mark Kamen just wrote a, a script that just caught fire at the right time and. And uh, the casting was just um, dead on the time. You know, there's so many of those elements that go into if, I mean, I remember going up, I ran into Diane Lane when we were going up to look at the Outsiders and do the talk through of the the anniversary cut, like the full version that had all your scenes back in and such. She said, and she was just nominated. uh, And I said, uh, congratulations. She said, listen, honey, if I knew how to make a hit, I'd do more of them. (laughs) <laughs> she said almost like a Lauren Bacall delivery, you know, yeah, I expected yeah, the tag amazing. on the cigarette and the smoke after, but you know, that's, um, so there's so many elements going back to what I was saying about the karate kid and all those, those, uh, elements that came together, you know, the director, John Avelson, Jerry Weintraub, the great Jerry Weintraub, the old school producer, he was great. All those, uh, pieces. And then Pat Morita in the role of a lifetime. I mean, that's the secret sauce, you know? And then what happened with all the little, when you talk about 
the uh, the different you know you mentioned young young blood and, and the Karate Kid sports movie overcoming obstacles winning in the end rooting for that underdog the protagonist the hurdles the payoffs the the setups the payoff all that stuff with the Karate Kid the the afterlife of even the original theatrical distribution became um, pop culture and and then the internet it becomes theorized as okay wait a second was it really a legal kick and maybe that was the good guy and that, and now you have you know get him a body bag is all of a sudden uh you know a line that you could yell out at a sports game and everybody cheers yep. and that's that's just uh some otherworldly magic strike that why it all came together and also it was, you always had to have that great song and that, that, uh, Peter Cetera, was it, it wasn't Chicago, well, it was Peter, Peter Cetera. Cetera. Peter Cetera was the sequel, the, uh, uh, the Glory of Love. That was for part two. Oh, you're kidding. That was the, I, in my mind, that's in the original. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, that was the, uh, the sort of love theme for part two that took place, uh, in Japan, Okinawa and the, the love story. But the original was the, you're the best around, which is the, you know, arguably the ultimate eighties montage theme. And I write about that stuff as well, like the, how the, the 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 music montage. It was the era of that. The music montage. I mean, what would what would you do without it? Yeah. I mean, there's there's no greater moment in movie montage history than than you with the paintbrush, right? right. Or the waxing on, waxing off. Yeah. That's that's it. I mean, that's that's. I mean, you just you, you just kind of go, yeah. That that's the in memoriam clip for sure. <laughs> you know, dude, I love that you mentioned that because every Oscars. Uh, probably sans this last one. Uh, that's the conversation I'm always having when I w- watch that as I'm getting older and older. Yes. I, can I put in a submission for what I want? Yes, could you I, should be able to. I, I, mean, I think you should be able to, right? I think when you hit what age, what age would be the time where you could say, these um, these are the clips either I want or this is the freeze frame that, that I want to uh, go with. People plan their own funerals. Yeah, why, why not? Why is this any different? I think so. I think we should spearhead this. Well, I'm, I'm just convinced every time I exit a door and turn around and deliver a line, you know, over the, you, know you walk and then you pause and you turn around and... Mm-hmm. Or God forbid you wave. Yeah. Oh no, that's like not. If you wave you goodbye. No you're more fun. waving. You're like, you're like, oh yeah, this yeah, could be it. This could be the one. This could be the one. Or you could be omitted. You could be that one that's the next day. How could they ever leave Rob and Ralph out of the? Yeah. Water? Who are we? Well, he was a television guy. Well, he actually made it in movies at first. Yeah, but it was a. Yeah. That, oh, listen. Know. Believe me, there could be there could be a way to be ignored. <laughs> you know, it may not be the worst be the first, thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. It's just a, by the way, your book is great. Let's just get the, cause you, your book's coming out like almost any day now, isn't it? Yep. October 18th. I have a lot of questions. First of all, how are you enjoying being an author? I'm en- enjoying it. I think that, um, you know, for me, it happened. I wrote, wrote the lion's share, uh, during season four and five of Cobra Kai when we were shooting kind of back-to-back seasons during the pandemic. So I was kind of in a bubble and Mm -hmm. uh, it was, you know, go on set, you know, testing three, four times a week, face masks, the whole thing. And then I would just go back to my where I stayed uh, in Atlanta and uh, and sit at my computer, order in food because nobody was going anywhere. And uh, it was cathartic. I really, um, you know, it's a story that only I kind of can tell what it's been to walk in the shoes of 
this character for for four, close to forty years now, and the ups and downs of it all, and the and but it's really a celebration of it. You know, I tried, tried to make it equal parts nostalgia and and contemporary relevance at the same time because that's what it is in my life, especially with this show that's kind of blown up now on Netflix. But I enjoyed diving into. Um, uh, to all I've gained from it, all I've learned from it, uh, my missteps during it, um, and being it's sort of, uh, you know, and, and like I said, in the shoes of of uh, Daniel LaRusso that has become a piece of everyone's, uh, well, maybe not everyone's, but many people's childhood, and, and uh, now they're sharing it with their their kids. And, and uh, that that's the cool part I got. I said this joke on Colbert, he, you know, last time I was on, I just said, it's, you know, he said, what's it like? This thing is number one on Netflix because it was on that day. And I said, well, it's gone from, you know, it's it's kind of humbling. I It used to be, hey, aren't you the guy from the Karate Kid? And now it's like, hey, don't you play the dad on my favorite show? Um, I said, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm your dad on your favorite show or whatever. That's right. But um, so that's kind of a nice thing. But I to answer the question, um I, I do enjoy writing. I want to do more of it, um, um, not necessarily in this genre, maybe other areas, um, because it's an expression. And I, if you feel you have something to say, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, and it's unique, just like what you did when you launched on with your best-selling uh, first book. And, and from there, it's, you know, people want to hear. And if you have a voice and it sounds like you, that was important to me up front. I said I'd rather have a bad sentence that sounds like me than something brilliant that sounds like someone else wrote it. I tried yeah. that once. I just kept having to rewrite everything the ghostwriter delivered, and it never worked, and I'm glad it never worked. So this is all me, you know, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I've never understood the, the ghostwriting thing. It makes I, no I, sense I, I to me. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Because people know you want it to be you, mm-hmm. right? You want it to be your voice, um, for sure. I I love that you named your son Daniel. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's the greatest. It makes me think I should have named one of my boys Soda Pop. Oh, that's so funny because when that's funny you bring that up. Um, it was a back and forth. My daughter Julia was born, uh, be, you know, a couple years before Dan. Um, he's Dan now as a as a twenty six year old. Um, yes, of course. But um, but it was a conversation. Um, you know, my wife's best friend, her cousin growing up, uh, was named Daniel and, uh, they were very, very close. And he's actually since passed prematurely. It was very difficult last year, but not to put a downer on it, but I'm just paying homage to, to him and the namesake. And so that was always, she always wanted to, to potentially name her son Daniel. Um, I was like, okay, now this comes with <laughs> a few things if I name the, my, my son Daniel, if, if I uh, blessed for, with a son. So yeah, right. we had the, with, with Julia, we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And I think I, I think I convinced, like, let's not name, you know, Daniel's son. I'd have to deal with this. We have to maybe <laughs> Daniel's son, Daniel's son, you know, it, it was kind of, you know. And, but then time had passed and, and we, uh, it's a beautiful name. It never goes out of style, maybe unlike never. Ralph. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, so, so we went for it. And like I wrote this story in, in the, the, the book when, you know, 
my son was really proud of it, but there was that time, and I, I forget exactly how I laid out the story in, in the book, but when I was, he was in Little League game and he tripped going around third base and the opposing coach goes, down goes LaRusso, because and he looked at me like, Amazing. really, Dad? Really? Yeah, could have. Yeah. Oh, for awful. sure. You're asking but for he's, it. He's, he's proud now, um, and he's his own person, but it's good. And on your, and the Rob Lowe roast, if you will, which I participated in. You were in, so funny. You're... You're so funny in the roast. Oh, it was uh, so funny. It was a it was a crazy time, man. It was. It, 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 I am so glad I did it. Um, it was just a you know I hadn't done something like that. I'm not a comic, and I had to wait my time. You know, and it was like two and a half. You know, it's waiting for it. I wish I went second, not right. seventh or eighth, um, because you first of all you're getting hit with shrapnel all night long. You know that going in. <laughs> So I was ready for it, and that was part of it. I wouldn't have done it if I was not open to that. And self-deprecation yeah. is my one of my favorite hobbies. So yeah. I was like, okay. But um, um, I, one of my favorite jokes was, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Spade. I don't know who it was. But he says, Ralph Macho named your son uh, after his character from his biggest movie. And that's like Rob Lowe naming his kid nothing. <laughs> I forget who it was, but it just made me, it was just like, it's a, it's a tough room, man. It's a tough room. I, um, that remains one of the, I think it's their, their, their biggest roast ever. Yeah. And I love it. I, I highly, you can, you guys can watch it. Um, it's, it's, you can get it on wherever the hell you get. Yeah. Stuff. It's, it's, I, it's worth it. It's, it's worth so funny. Watch, at least for Robin, my part. It's really funny. And I take a beating. No, it was good. A beat, which is the whole point. And so I have, you have to get the shit pounded out of you yeah. so that when you go up there and just turn the tables, it works. But God, did I, that was such a fun. Night. Yeah, it was, you know, it's interesting because for me, you know, it made sense. Uh, uh, the, one of the, the head writer I had worked with on a film. So we had kind of talked through what the angle was for me. And I just wanted, I said, let's make it an acting piece. Let me, let me get to some point that I get to stick the landing, even if I slip and fall along the way. And and I yeah. think at the end of it, I was able to kind of, because it was not just like ripping you a new one constantly. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of like, how did you get this? And I didn't. Now, this is right. literally eight months before Cobra Kai hit and explodes and has been on for five years. But it was like such a kind of interesting timing. And um, and uh, interesting, a tie into to Cobra Kai and the Rob Lowe Rose to Comedy Central. How about that for a plug? I um, I was watching it. It was like around Labor Day, right, when, it, when they aired yep. it? And I'm watching it, and I notice on my phone that I'm being followed by John Hurwitz, who I recognize the name, who was, uh, you know, who created, um, um, co-created Harold and Kumar. And, uh, and I started saying, why is this guy following me? And literally three days late, you know, when you get the check mark and you know, it's, yep. uh, three days later, I get a call from my lawyer say, Hey, do you want to meet these guys, Hurwitz and Schlossberg and their friend, Josh Shield? They have an idea. And that was Cobra Kai. So I'm like, I was so good on the Rob Lowe roast. I look great. I was funny. I'm going to get a show out of this. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's really but it, it amazing. It really had nothing to specifically. It wasn't. I think doing doing the, the roast was uh, not a. It didn't create that project by any stretch, but but it might have you know just 
four or five people who make decisions might have just said, you know what, this might, this seems okay. I tell young actors that you never know what's going to lead to the next thing. 100%. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free, clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high-quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get Free shipping and 360-day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Does the name patent place mean anything to you? Yes. And you just, uh, you just jogged my, I mean, I just went down the, what is that? Did you go down the rabbit hole just now? Yeah, I was just like, where am I? And all of a sudden I found myself on Riverside by Van Nuys. So I, I'm obsessed with patent place. I, I think there's a TV, 
I think there's a TV show in it. There, so oh, there is, so is. Isn't there? Yeah. So what it is, is a very 1970s redwood decked um, three-story mm-hmm. condo with probably 15 condominiums in it. And all, r- literally next to the freeway. It's right next to the freeway. Um, on Riverside and Van Nuys in the valley mm-hmm. with a sign that says Patent Place because it was owned by Dick, Dick Van, Van Patton. Patton. It was his big real estate play. Yep. And it was kind of a haven for actors. So you lived there for, for a, a bit. I didn't live there. I just had um, folks that I knew there. So I was there all the time. I, did you, I thought you lived no, there. No, you I were lived, always there. I was always, that's, that is true. Because I was by myself. Um, you know, this was during eight is enough before the outsiders. I was living in Santa Monica. And then I moved to Marina del Rey when I was evicted because the Whoever owned the condo I was in had a divorce, and she got that, and I was down to Marina del Rey. So I would drive up, you know, the 405 and, uh, and, um, and hang out there and then go to Westwood on Friday nights and see movies. I mean, that was kind of it in 1980 and 81, 82. And Jillian. And Jillian, yeah. Who, who was on, what was her show? It's a Living. Yes. Um, married to a gnarly policeman. Remember that? That is true. Um, Chicago cop. I forget his name. Yeah. And um, all of the various and sundry younger Van Pattens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nels, Vince. Vince Van Patten was like playing Wimbledon. Yeah, no, major tennis. Major. Um, what's her name? The amazing, um, Jan- who's now Gretzky's wife. Gretzky, Janet. Janet Jones. Janet Jones, solid gold dancer. That's right, man. You're good. You are good, sir. Yeah, you're really jogging my memory. That's right. I, I pass it every day. It's on the way <laughs> really? to my studio. <laughs> it's still there. It still has a room for I gotta you. Drive you by. I'm, I'm going to drive by uh, when I'm out. I'm going to be out there next week. Uh, yeah, the end of next week. I'm, I'm totally... Oh, you are? You're coming out? Oh, good. Well, let's, let's try to get together. Yeah, I'm the, then next week and then, uh, and then the following. So I'll be next. next uh, are you on the connect. book tour? Are you doing the big book tour now? That will be going on. Um, that'll be, you know, that's a... One day, and you've done that, right? It's like a day on the plane at the at the theater, on the plane at the theater, on the plane at the. So I'm I'm looking forward to the experience. Um, I think it's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. How much time did you spend on titles? I think titles are super important because I know you're a music fan like me, mm-hmm. and I looked at my book as my album. Yep. And like, and the chapters is the songs. Do I want to lead with a hit? Do I want to do like a kind of deep cut and then? You know, this is kind of a poppy, uh, feel-good chapter, so maybe I need to do a ballad. Did you did you look at the book like that, and did you spend time on on the titles and and, and all of that? Did you think of it in that in those terms? I did. I very much so with the with the chapters. Um, that's what I came up with um, first. I mean, at first, my working title on the book was "Me, Myself, and Larusso." That was mm-hmm. sort of my working title because it's you know it's that blurred lines of you know yeah. people like, hey, so you how do you enjoy growing up in Jersey? I'm like. Didn't live in Jersey, but I get it. You know, I'm not from Newark, um, and I didn't have a nice old Japanese guy teach me how to paint and sand and polish. But it's it's so me myself and Larusso made sense in in sort of the initial onset of it. And then I took chapters. I just laid down. I wanted twelve chapters. I don't you know for some reason, and um, I just started coming up with titles of chapters that that sort of encompassed 
you know, uh, that were hopefully humorous, interesting, um, you know, it wasn't just like getting the part, meeting Miyagi, you know, I didn't, I wanted it to, to have, uh, you know, other relevance to, to it. And so when that was laid out and we, I stayed true to that, uh, the whole, the whole writing process. And then, I mean, I always had waxing on, it was always a back pocket, you know, and obviously anyone, not obviously, but certainly, you know, the publishing houses and the, and the lit agents all were like, you have to call this that, you know? Um, so, and the Karate Kid should be on the cover because it's such a global yeah. brand. And so it was a matter, like you talk about, like that's the album cover and finding, um, um, I kept looking for a more obscure, but like had all that and it never, it, it, it never would take, uh, so waxing on the Karate Kid and me and to wax poetic is to go on about, you know, so I liked that, that sort of subtle double meaning. Um, yeah, and then uh, so that's where we landed, and that uh, is—it's so obviously the right title. Yeah, it's just not even a conversation. Yeah, I, no, but I try. You know, you try. I'm like, I don't want to just be this. You know, you could tell how. A- oh, I could see you I like am. totally belaboring. I, oh, dude, like, dude, when, when it. it's so clear. I know there is no title know, other than this. You know, I've seen the poster. <laughs> Listen, and I talk about the title of the Karate Kid. Like, no, hating that title. Because I said, you know, I, I always joke that if I, you know, if I ever get the part, I'd probably have to carry it for the rest of my life in a, in a kind mm-hmm. of funny way. But um, it's like Weintraub said, it's a terrible title, which makes it a great title. Ooh, I, did he say that? That's amazing. Yeah. He goes, it is a terrible title, but that makes it a great title. I love Jerry's great. Okay. So I have, I have a movie coming out in Netflix and it's, it's coming out, um, I think, uh, around Christmas time. So it's a story of a, a father and his estranged son, and the only thing they bond over is the family dog who runs away on the Appalachian Trail, and they have to go together and try to find the dog. Hmm. It's, so it's, every, it's everything you think it is. Right. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you know exactly what that movie is. Title of the movie? Dog Gone. Jerry Weintraub title. Yep. That title is so bad that it's, it's great. actually great. Yep. That's it. Home run. This is the last time I saw Jerry, um, uh, he said he was, we were with a group of people, you know, the Hollywood and all his, his yeah. friends and such. And he was like, you know, he took me by my face and he, you know, said it in a very earnest way. He goes, you know, uh, you're a big part of my life and I love you. And, uh, you know, I, I forget exactly from those are the words I heard. Mm. There's a little more of that. And then he turned to a bunch of people and he goes, hey, Jimmy Ralph, this kid bought me a couple of houses. <laughs> So that's that's Jerry being Jerry right there, you know. And right, Jerry time, Weintraub, he's yeah. one of the great Hollywood producers. He, um, I did Behind the Candelabra yep. for him, yep. which is his, I think his last movie. Yeah, with Michael Douglas and uh, yeah. He had a at his um, the biggest estate I'd ever been on at the time, and at the front door on either side of the front door, he had um, stained glass portraits, one of his wife and one of him. Yes. His wife was a. Do you remember this? Jane. His wife was a singer. So it's a picture of her with a microphone in a very evocative pose. And then the other side of the drawer is a picture of him with a phone in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the last of a breed, man. He is the last of a breed. 
I have so many Jerry stories. But, um, yeah, and a couple of them are in uh, Waxing On because they deserve it. I mean, he's the one we, you know, we saw the movie for the first time and everyone's out on the street doing the crane stance. And he said, took me by the arm and he goes, we're going to be making a couple of these. Wow. And so I write to that, you know, what is a couple of these? And then here we are in 2022 and season five of Cobra Kai. Um, None of us knew that. Pretty amazing. Great stuff. Are you going to see Bruce on the new tour? I think so. I haven't. I'm looking at, uh, I don't know when our production schedule uh, uh, lines up, but. uh, Where do you guys, are you guys still shooting in in Atlanta? Atlanta. Yep. Yep. It's the only, I call it uh, Cobra California because (laughs) it's. We have no leaves on the trees. You can never have an open window. It's supposed to be the valley, and we have three stock shots, and we shoot maybe four hours in L.A. to someone just walking by Ventura Dupars, and we go like, we're here, and then we're back, back in Atlanta. I hate to break it to you. The Ventura Dupars is gone. Yeah, oh, right. Shocking. Yeah. I used to go yeah. there all the time from Patton Place. From Patton Place. <laughs> oh, man. I remember that um, West going to Westwood on Friday nights, that was a thing, right? I'm not imagining that. No, that way that was it, man. With the you know, you know almost like um, sideshow circus jugglers and sword swallowers and and and, and the college kids from uh, UCLA coming man, down. It was the only place to see movies. It was the Indiana, only place. Indiana Jones there, Star Eighty. I'm trying to think of that time. Star Eighty. I was like, 80. I, was oh like my God. I went to the I went to the like the 10:30 a.m. show of Star Eighty with Eric Roberts. <laughs> I'm like by myself because it's Bob Fosse. I have to, you know, it's like yes. certain filmmakers, I see their movies even when they miss. Um, and I don't think that missed. No, it did I not. That's... It did not. But I would I would see, you know, I'll see anything Scorsese does or Francis yeah. or, you know, and Bob Fosse uh, among others, Sidney Lumet, um, yep. who I also write about because I was such a, his movies were such a big influence on. Oh, Prince of the City. Oh, Come my on. God. I saw that at the Cinerama Dome. How about um, the one that, that with no? Uh, is it Q and A? Oh, Q and A. Timothy Hutton, Ooh. right? That's Timothy Tim- Hutton and Nick and Nolte. Um, Nick Nolte. Wow. Oof. Star eighty. I think didn't we have? I think we had a lot of bits around Star eighty on the Outsiders. I think we all did our Paul Schneider. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a hundred percent. We had more stupid bits. It's amazing that we remember them. Yeah, no, and the the, the Bill Murray uh, Caddyshack. You know, anytime I went to play miniature golf. Do you remember going to the Nautilus? The the gym, the Nautilus. <laughs> this is my yeah. favorite. So, so by the way, look, you you were not a big workout guy. No, still am not. I have to work out, but um, um, I spend my time in the gym to stay in shape. But but I and I was never. I I since became one, ironically. But then I had never worked out. Didn't like working out. But, you know, Tom and Emilio were my homies, and right. they were, like, lunatic work, working out fiends. And they, there was, you know, this is 1982. Mm-hmm. There are no gyms. That hadn't really happened yet. But there was what was called a Nautilus. Right. And that, like, people who know will know. There was a Nautilus, and we had to take a cab, like, an hour outside, and it was so tiny and i just remember going tom would always want me to go and so me and Cruz would take a cab to the nautilus and the music i just can remember being on the peck deck helping tom and uh that stupid song if you like pina coladas uh, getting caught that was what they were playing at the nautilus in tulsa but do you know how you just remember that talk about a snapshot yep yep 
Whenever I hear that song, you're there. I'm in the Nautilus with Tom. <laughs> so I stupid. I know Nautilus was. I I so distinctly remember because I I think I uh, when I would be leaving Patton Place um, for whatever reason, I would go to some Nautilus in the valley. You know, uh, you know, with the, the chains on all the equipment, it was this, you know, it's sort of like blockbuster video. Like, this is going to last forever. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, then it's, it's, really... <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, God, this has been so fun. Jeez. I mean, I was so glad to, that, that we got to do you and I could go on oh, and my God. on. No, we'll have a, we'll have a deeper dive seventies cinema conversation, uh, uh oh. when, when I, when we get together. Um, which is long overdue. This is great. I mean, it's just so fun to have a familiar conversation and tie into something that um, that is so so meaningful and poignant in both of our lives. And here we are, still kicking these kids. I know. It's it feels. It always feels like it's better than a high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Way yeah, because better. you don't have to look at because we look pretty good. That's why. Because we've kept our fucking. We shit have tight. preserved pretty, pretty. Well. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you, you, you are like the guy who you. You're like, like an amp frozen in amber. No, no, it's my parents' fault. They, they fucked. Do they have it? Me. Was my dad has it? My dad's a freak of nature. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I got a, a little lucky, although I like the camera a little bit wider these days. <laughs> Well, my heart is all warm and fuzzy. First of all, Ralph looks exactly the same. One of those people who's always been such a decent, sweet, talented, funny, like truly one of the good guys. And I I could not be more happy that he's having this success that he's having at this point in his life. Um, I hope you guys had fun. I could have gone on forever talking to him about Outsiders. There was Leif Garrett on one end of the pendulum. And then there was Ralph. And then... I was swinging in the middle. All right, y'all. You got questions? I got answers. Let's hit the lowdown line. Hello. You've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob. My name's Jaden, and I'm here with my sister, Julia, my cousin, Natalie, and my mom, Heather. Hi. We're from Toronto, Ontario, and we just wanted to know, what was your most rebellious teenage moment? That's it. We love your podcast. Bye. Oh, you guys are so damn cute. Thank you for for calling in. But see, I I know your mom is there listening, and I feel like if I give you a really rebellious thing, it's going to give you all an excuse to be rebellious, and then your mom's going to be mad not only at you, but at me. And I don't want that. Um, My, I I will have to tell you honestly, I was a a quote-unquote very good boy as a teenager. I was like afraid to ditch class, afraid to cheat on a test. Um, when, When like, kids around me would just run amok. I just couldn't believe like their audacity. And I was like, just couldn't do it. And then I got older and then I made up for it big time. So I guess what I'm saying is moderation is good. I probably should have been a little more rebellious as a teenager. And then I would have been less rebellious as I was older. But, but let me ask let me see, Um, uh, but let me give you a specific, um, I would say I once made, completely made up an art project essay 
um, I, I, we were assigned a, um, an artist to do a deep dive into their lives. And I completely made up everything about the artist and the teacher never knew the difference. And I think I got a B, maybe even a B plus, not my finest, uh, but, but it proved I could write clearly pulled it off. All right. Thanks for calling you guys. I'll see you next week on Literally. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. Our research is done by Alyssa Grawl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music you hear is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.